0: Welcome to the High Performance CEO Podcast. This show is made with one purpose, to help you create a self-driven and engaged high performance organization, where we deliver you proven strategies and expert interviews on how to drive significant profit growth, create a stress-free ownership culture, and give you the time freedom you always wanted from your business. And now, here's your host, highly sought after business growth strategist and executive coach, Patrick Rogers. This is patrick rogers and today we have the privilege to have justin sullivan on the show and justin is the ceo of ajax jets and a number of other vertically integrated companies welcome to the show justin
1: great to be here patrick thanks for having me
0: absolutely man so justin lives in boston massachusetts with his wife and and justin owns a family of private aviation businesses that manage maintain and charter a fleet of premium executive business jets with over 20 years of uh, experience in the industry Uh, Justin has had an interesting entrepreneurial journey that I'm sure our audience is going to be able to relate to and learn a lot from. So, Justin, before we dive into Ajax and and your companies and your journey, what's one interesting fact that not many people know about you?
1: After graduating from high school, I ran for mayor of my hometown, Port Townsend, Washington, Um, knocked on every door in town, was a guest on David Letterman, and got 43% of the vote losing to a two term incumbent. So I like to say that was my first ever sales campaign.
0: Wow, that's really cool. So right out of high school, you ran for mayor.
1: Pretty random before deciding to take over the private aviation world, I thought I was going to be president. Right. So, so what motivated you
0: at, at such an early age to do this? It's really you know, cool.
1: Man. I've always been somebody who's who's wanted to do big things, and in that case, I had I've always had some some long-held, you know, beliefs on on economic freedom and 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 liberty and cost of living and and what I saw in my town, you know, at the, the the tender age of eighteen was, um, you know, practices that were contrary to my beliefs, and it was being run by again a two-term incumbent who I had disagreements with. Nobody ran against her, and I decided to throw my my hat into the ring. I didn't really expect to win, but i what I expected to do was was to illuminate some issues and to put some 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 matters on the table for a discussion. Um, so it was I, I feel like I did my, my town a great service by by bringing those 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 matters to bear and gave this this incumbent a uh, a run for her money. It was fun.
0: Yeah. Now, so did she end up um, improving her game or what she's been giving to the, the city since then because because of that issue or not because of because of you running and kind of did you force her to come come up stronger?
1: Well, it, it made it a campaign, right, instead of a coronation, which was yeah, which is important. Um, I don't think anybody should run for anything on post. But, you know, the punchline is, is that two years later, conditions in the town really hadn't changed. Somebody printed up a bunch of bumper stickers saying "Don't blame me, I voted for Justin." Commit, Committee to bring Justin Sullivan home in 2000, and uh, they, they changed the town charter and, and moved to a weak mayor form of government. Awesome. Oh, it's a small town in, in rural Washington State. Yeah, uh, ten thousand people. But eh. you know, in Southern California or, or, or Boston, where I live, ten thousand people is a yeah. postage stamp. But in rural Washington, sure. it's a it's a real town. So uh, how did you get on uh, Letterman? Oh, they picked they, they they saw an article or or something from me and 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 um, asked me if I wanted to be a guest. It was, <laughs> it was awesome. pretty it was a pretty tough experience. You know, when I was I, I grew up in a very strict family, I I, uh-huh. I didn't stay up late watching TV. So yeah. I, I hadn't watched Letterman and and you know he was a he was a character back in 1995. I right? Bet. So yeah. he, yeah, yeah. he Put me through the ringer, to be honest with you. Um, oh, wow. He asked me some questions I was prepared for, and, and um, it wasn't wasn't the best experience.
0: Oh, so they didn't like give you a list of questions that they're going to ask during the interview. There's just kind of like a spontaneous first, thing. The first question
1: was Justin, so you're 18 years old. Tell me, have your testicles dropped yet? And it was like, <laughs> good, good, good. You know, I, I just didn't. And it was just, it was just probably about a seven minute appearance. <laughs> And I just never recovered. I didn't know that was oh, how it would yeah. start. Yeah, uh, It's a comedy show, right? Yeah, that's that's pretty funny shit, right there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, right. <laughs> cool, man. Well, hey, thanks for sharing that with us. That's 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 one of the best interesting facts I've had in a while. So, um, well, cool, man. So, so tell us about Ajax. Tell us about your companies. What what do you, what, what do you
1: guys do, man? Sure. So it's a it's a vertically integrated family of companies that focuses on managing, chartering, and maintaining a fleet of executive business jets. So there are a lot of things in our business model that are very unique, and it really starts with owners, high net worth individuals, um, companies who desire to to access private aviation on the best possible terms. And what we do is is at our core. We operate a fleet of, we call them classic executive business jets. So the oldest plane in our fleet was born in 1981, so Ronald Reagan's first term. The youngest being a, uh, the youngest in kind of the the program that I'm discussing, you know, in 1994. So um, Clinton's first term. So um, a a contrarian point of view of owning and and operating a, a fleet of aircraft. But in so doing, we give our owners and customers and stakeholders really unique leverage points that they had never considered before. So to give you just a perspective, that early 80s, perfectly airworthy, drop-dead, gorgeous new interior Falcon 50 costs about $2 million to acquire. And that nine-seat, super mid-sized jet with coast-to-coast range from can fly from Boston to San Diego nonstop, six and a half hours of range, competes with aircraft that can cost 10 times as much. Mm. So we're talking about brand-new Challenger 3500s or Gulfstream G280s. So those types of jets that a lot of CEOs, you know, in their wet dreams hope to someday achieve. Because, you know, really owning a private jet Accessing this category, yeah, um, it really is, is is it's it's transformational. And people, yeah, you know, executives who who get around the country, get around the world, they all face common problems. Whether you're flying mm-hmm. commercial or or coach, I should say, or, or first class, right. it's a pain in the neck. And they everybody desires to access the private aviation category, right. but I'll f- face it. 30 million dollars for a, a brand new or, or late model challenger super mid-sized jet that's really unattainable for a lot of people so they that's keep the can down the road right and trying to figure out how to how can i how can i um you know someday you know achieve a net worth of 200 million dollars or half a billion dollars to right. justify a 30 million dollar jet so that i can finally be that baller but right. what a lot of these ceos remember is back in the day when they were on the come up in the 80s and 90s their first private jet ride was on the CEO's Falcon or on the CEO's Hawker you know so so mm-hmm. we put a new lease on life with these aircraft and in so doing we we were able to operate them to a financially attractive outcome that you really can't achieve when you're trying to operationalize the 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 acquisition cost or the cost of capital or the debt right, service right. on a twenty to thirty million dollar asset. So we've been doing this operating classic jets. I've been doing it through a couple different companies for approximately seven years. Wow. And that it really for us it starts with an owner who, um, who, or or somebody who's who's chartering jets, looking to upgrade their experience. Looking to get into the into the category. And that one owner who decides to invest that $2 million or $3 million in a beautiful classic Falcon 50, mm-hmm. then you know, feeds the rest of our business. Mm. So I own a maintenance business called Private Jet Maintenance based in Buffalo, New York. It was really formed to maintain our own fleet of planes, but now provides retail maintenance and outsource maintenance services yeah, to other that. aircraft owners all over the country. Yeah. And that's really not, a, most people don't have the means, desire, um, wherewithal or whatever to buy a jet, right? Right. right. So they some charter customers. There, there are people who desire to go from point A to point B safely and is, to the extent possible as cost-effectively as possible. So bringing that new jet, that new unit of supply into our fleet, then creates about a $5 million per plane business unit. Then mm. that $5 million just in charter revenue is all by the drip. You know, These are $20,000, 50000 individual contracts to fly yeah. from yeah. New York, West Palm Beach, or wherever right, right. it happens.
0: Yeah. So, so basically, I mean, you, you've created a system here and a business model that allows CEOs or anybody, obviously, um, that wants to get into the private airplane and, and, and executive airplane uh, aircraft. But typically, they'd have to wait till, you know, 30 million to get to it. They can get in for two, three million. They purchase an aircraft, put it in your fleet. And now they're able to monetize that apportion it, of course. Uh, at the same time, still have use of their aircraft when it's not being used
1: in the fleet. Is that right? Exactly. So, okay. you know, maybe, maybe it would be helpful to just give, you know, to kind of drill, deep, drill a little deeper into that. You know, most most executives, okay. most people like like when they when they dream of buying a jet, they're right. buying a that, that thirty million dollar right. jet. Right. We use that as kind of a, an ongoing example. Sure. Yeah. You know, that's a, a lifestyle showpiece that has no hope of ever penciling out financially other yeah. than, you know, the owner's right. own time right. Right. usage and all that. Right. And in so doing it's, it's really a, a lifestyle asset for that guy. So if, sure. he, if that owner lives Not in a West financial Palm, decision, yeah. That plane is based in West Palm yeah. beach and they're hanging it right there and hiring a West Palm beach based air carrier to operate it. And they always know where that jet is right? because right? it's, it's their most important asset, right? Think about this as a car. That's that's like buying a brand new Bentley or Rolls right. Royce, right? Like right, a million-dollar vehicle, right? And you're not doing that for any reason other than to scratch an itch, to yeah. um, to, to prestige, for, for whatever sure, right. whatever. All those, all those yeah. great things. Yeah, and it's like your 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 treatment of that asset. It, it's like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right? There's probably a house. Built in your backyard, right? It garages it. There's spotlights. Yeah, the that whole thing. Down on I it. got a helicopter pad. You love it diaper. Yeah. You know, and when right. you drive it, you you take your shoes off. You you don't pick your kids up at Little League in no, it. No, no. You've got to drive from Palm Beach to Orlando for a business meeting. You you, you might take the bends because you don't want to put a thousand miles or five hundred miles on on your Bentley that day. God bless you. Yeah, <laughs> what we do in, in operating a fleet of of planes from the '80s and '90s that cost two to three million dollars. Right, is it's like buying a, a 2012 G wagon, Mercedes mm-hmm. G wagon, mm-hmm. right? Where it's a it's a luxury automobile. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's,
1: it's a head Turner, but yep. you're paying sixty thousand dollars instead of two hundred and sixty thousand right. dollars for that g-wagon
0: totally makes sense yeah
1: because you want you're you're financially astute and financially motivated and you have other things to do with your money and you treat that that g-wagon differently than you would treat your your Bentley um you're you're probably going to drive that g-wagon for for, for Palm Beach to Orlando because it's a pretty nice vehicle and why wouldn't you because somebody else has taken that depreciation hit somebody bought it at 260000 yeah. and 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 appreciated it down to the 60 grand that you bought right going back to the bentley owner he's not going to take his car to anybody but bentley motors for maintenance right right if, if sir, the service a sure. light comes on he's yeah. only going to take it to You're going to bentley
0: motors,
1: only yeah we're only going to use factory OEM parts to maintain that plane or that, that car for, for a lot of reasons. But you know, he wants the serial numbers to match, wants to keep the mileage low, and he needs to, to minimize his depreciation to the extent possible. Mm-hmm. But for that G-Wagon that has 100,000 miles on it, he's okay taking that G-Wagon to a, uh, a luxury import repair specialist. Sure, and he's okay using non factory OEM parts, or right. at, at a minimum, he wants to have the conversation. He wants, you know, my my guy who maintains my Benz. His name is Sparky, and we reach decision points on my car, right? Where, um, you know, the, the the brakes need to be done. We could call these these brakes in for Mercedes, and it's going to be fifteen thousand dollars, or we yeah. can use non factory OEM parts, and it's going to be seventy five hundred. What do you want to do, Justin? I, I want to use the non-factory OEM parts because I'm kind of, I don't drive a G-Wagon, but I'm kind yeah, of that example. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes right? sense. Sure. So in aviation, maintenance is, is one of the largest cost centers in in what we do, right? Right. And in, in building a discipline and a team that has expertise in these classic airframes, we're able to, by doing things like using non-OEM parts, not bringing our planes to Dassault Falcon jet, where a technician can bill out at $300 an hour. You know, these are technicians that we pay $80,000 a year. Right, right, right. right. Um, we, we, there's there's a lot of leverage that we're able to offer our owners on the maintenance side. Now we'll talk briefly about the utilization. Unlike that, that challenger owner who keeps his plane at a hangar near him, and it only goes in and out of West Palm Beach. Mm -hmm. Our planes do not live in any particular home base. I'm in Boston. Our, Our flight operations department is in South Florida. Our maintenance team is in Buffalo. But our customers are all over the world, and charter customers are all over the world. Naturally, the market kind of triangulates between the West Coast, South Florida, and the Northeast, But by letting go of that that, um, train of thought, where is this jet going to be based? The jets aren't based anywhere. Jets are based where they dropped off their passengers yesterday and before they're picking up their next trip today. So if we drop off in, in Portland and our next trip is out of Seattle, I guess our plane is based in Portland. But it takes a very special owner, Patrick, who will let that prized asset go out on the road to generate all of that charter revenue. And what we're doing, that one nuance of having our planes float in this this big orb of of demand versus living in a home base, allows us to put more than two X the number of charter hours on that plane per year.
0: Got it. Yeah, because now it can go to different geographies and, and not out of
1: one home base. So it um, takes that owner and that that very unique situation where you know because somebody has taken if you were to buy again this brand new super mid-size jet it's 30 million. Now we're talking two to three million for one of my jets. Again, somebody else has taken that depreciation hit. Right. they so, already, yeah,
0: they drove it off the lot. Somebody else did.
1: So right. So,
0: so, Justin, take us through the, the the jump. You know, going from from a small. I think you said you started out as a small broker business. You had just a couple people uh, working with you to to this vertical integration. To take us through that journey and 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 how how all
1: that evolved. I started off my career, so I, I started in tech sales straight out of college. Yeah, and um, a few years to that, one of my colleagues went to. Uh, here in the Boston area, a very large reputable private jet company. I had never heard of the industry. I I was in I was very enamored with the industry. Um right I love geography. I like money. I like um I like travel. I, I it just it all when I heard about it it clicked. Yeah. And I went to go become a a I really talked myself into a VP of sales job with a dot com startup in this industry. Yeah. And after a few years I was you know, the, the, the bulk of the business was myself, my my own client acquisition and demand generation. So right. this is charter brokering you, know, you don't own planes, don't manage planes. You're basically a travel agent for high net worth people and matching them with, with air, aircraft operators. With aircraft that
0: are available. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay.
1: After a few years of doing that, I, I was ready. I've always been very entrepreneurial. I made from air when I was 18. So I, I've i had this this up my butt for for a long time. Yeah. And three or four years into my career, I started my own brokerage business doing doing just that um, yeah. and built that just one client at a time over many years to be a very attractive lifestyle business. Mm. Um, it's nothing proprietary about being a charter broker. We all have access to the same fleet. So you're really, you know, it's a lot like being a, a recruiter. You know, you're, right, you're, right. you're constantly working the supply and the demand sides of right, the equation. Sure, sure. It's, it's great. I, I, I'm still a very big, kind of like the middleman. Yeah. 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 And there, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. No, um, I, I launched a, a parallel career path whereby I was a, uh, an inside salesperson for one of these operators who kind of. Conceptualize this th- this business model that I'm in now right. of operating a distributed fleet of classic aircraft and doing it, frankly, with other people's money by selling a jet to somebody and having and, and having them operate it. So much like a uh, um, kind of like a franchise, I mean, really a lot felt felt a lot like a franchise business model. Um, I, I was there for a couple of years and yeah. naturally all of my clients are high net worth individuals. sure. so I, right. I, I have you know, I, I started on third base because I, yeah. I you know you kind of already had there. the connections, the contacts yeah sure. yeah they all know like and trust me so it, oh, yeah. it was awesome. um, it was an easy segue to say, hey well you're, you're spending half a million dollars a year with me on private air travel. Here's a better way of doing it and um, I, I started building this this business inside another business. And you know, there's pros and cons to doing that. So after a a bit of time, I I started my own entrepreneurial business, but I didn't have the license to to operate and hold out air transportation. So there's something called an FAA part 135 air carrier certificate. And these are the same, it's basically the same license from the FAA that JetBlue and Delta have, which is to take money for hire for, for, for air travel. Um, and I built a business that was selling jets to people and then having um, other companies do that, that operation. So still much like a middleman, except yeah. now doing all the charter and demand generation and monetization and you know, paying a, a, a service provider, one of these 135 air carriers, a fee for, for, for doing that. And then the plane goes on their charter certificate. And you know, frankly, there's a lot to learn about maintenance, pilots, um, logistics, regulations. There's very steep learning curve. And you know, I think of myself as you know an okay smart guy, but certainly like I still learn something every day. And, and back in those days, you know, it was, it was a very steep learning curve, but I was was blessed to be able to do it in a way that I'm really learning from the pros of, of these, these other part 135 air carriers that I was then, and still do, lease planes to and, and through. Right. Um, after several years of, of running my business that way, COVID happened, which was was a, a big event. COVID was initially a very scary event. It shut down our industry for a few months and then you know really t- transformed the industry for the better. And, and we're still in the golden age of private air travel because of COVID. Um, back in 2021, I raised some money from a couple of clients and acquired a part one thirty-five air carrier that was for sale, and okay. started started building the fleet that way. So we 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 built bought into a business that was already going concern, already had a fleet of planes, wasn't necessarily doing what we're doing with having mm. a floating fleet, right? Um, and um, it was really it took me having that basis of of knowledge um, to, to a convince it's easier to convince somebody to buy a jet when you're saying, and it's going to be managed by XYZ company who's been out here for, for, for 20 years. Cause then, then, you know, it's a very easy value proposition. It would have been a very hard jump for me to, to make, to do that without being able to talk with the confidence and experience of having done it for, for, I guess, five years before I started.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And so then now you have um, how many in your fleet now?
1: Well, in our direct fleet, we have nine planes, and then we have we we, we that that uh, that previous business model that I mentioned of leasing planes to and through other air carriers. That's still a big part of of what we do. So we didn't take those planes away. And one one nuance to to our business here at Ajax Jets is that. our our FAA certificate only allows us to operate planes that are nine seats or less. It's a nine or less charter certificate. So one of the cornerstones of what we do is operating 14 seat Falcon 900s. It's a very sexy, unique product. And we continue to operate those through other companies that have the the FAA certifications to do that.
0: Yeah. Got it. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, so, so talk to us about this whole, decision that you made with the the vertical integration you have you know you have retail solutions um, you have your own fleet of planes you're you're brokering out you have the maintenance side of business what's uh, what was really when you looked at this what's really I know some people it's obvious to some people but but I know some of the listeners may not be as savvy perhaps with the benefits of vertical integration and really why you made that strategic decision kind of early on
1: well, not not really early on, kind of late late in the game. So I'm I'm you know about a year and a half into to operating. Oh, okay, got it. So you know it, it's it's still still new for for me, um, but really it, it's a it, it, the word is control. And and w- when you're when you're reliant on other companies, there's there's things that I would 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 do differently. And when mm. you don't have operational control. Maintenance control, financial control—you um, really can't can't do things the way that that you want to do them. Um, and a, as the person, you know, I'm, I'm the, the 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 chief marketing officer really for for my, my family of businesses, and I'm the, the the sales executive who brought these owners in. So I want to do right by them. If somebody's making a two three million dollar investment. In, in my business, if things don't go don't go perfectly, I want to at least be able to offer my own um, my own explanation, um, you know, right or wrong for 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 why that happened. And, and if I don't have control, if my my business doesn't have control, if we're we're, we're relying on on another service provider, um, not only do you right, leave, right. You leave a, lot, a lot of money on the table, but mm-hmm you just open yourself up to having like a di- di- disconnect with your brand versus mm. um versus what what it it really is. So, you know, it's a silly example, but I'll I'll give it. It's pilot uniform. So, one of the companies that we were working with um pilots really didn't like wearing the the, the whole monkey suit, the 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 stripes and the white yeah. shirt and the right. the tie and and I don't have operational control. So, I didn't even know, but I, I showed up on a ramp to do a meet and greet with customers, and my pilot showed up wearing polo shirts and 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 slacks, and and I, I didn't have any input in that. I didn't uh, know about it. it. Right. Uh, right. It, you know, it that dedicated. still represents your company. Yes, and and it, it, there's a level of of professionalism. You know, and it, there's there's um. There's a lot lots to unpack there, right, Patrick? Yeah, because sure. Yeah. Pilots, pilots are extremely um, finicky. You know, well, the toughest thing about my job is to do pilots. Is that right? And They're, they're kind of like rock stars. <laughs> yeah. and, and they, they've A bit of an ego. They, they have a tremendous amount of leverage yeah. because every pilot that we hire goes through our own flight safety simulator program that can cost up to $50,000 a year. Right, so once we make that fifty thousand dollar investment in a pilot, if he's not, if he doesn't work out, or he's not happy, or uh, or, or leaves, that fifty thousand dollar investment goes out the window, and we're we're short a pilot on that plane. So pilots have a lot of leverage, and if you know, pilots go to their, their do and say, hey, I, I they come on mass and say, hey, we don't we don't want to wear the, the monkey suit. I just wanted yeah. to get tall.
0: I just wanted yeah. somebody to
1: tell me, yeah, you know, so. Yeah. It, one silly example of of how, um, you know that that wouldn't stand in in, in my company. No. It doesn't yeah. stand in my company. And but it, um and but it sounds like the two the two main reasons though for for vertical
0: integration vertical integration for you was was one was control. But then you also you're you're leaving a lot of money on the table because now you have the margins um, that 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 you're. Vendors would have had you. Now have that in your company. You get that uh, that income as well. Uh, so, what's next for you guys, man? What's what's next on horizon?
1: Really, frankly, more of the same. I'm not. I'm not big on on long term goals and objectives. We're yeah. we're entering a period of of economic headwinds. There are okay. some other some other challenges. I mean, not necessarily us, you know, but the world. Yeah, it's
0: just the economies here. Yeah. The world. Economy. Yeah. We're,
1: we're, we're fighting harder for, for our revenues and, and for our bookings. Um, we're trying to grow the fleet by by adding more planes, but really adding the right planes with the right ownership groups um, mm-hmm. who are motivated by the right things and having that be you know very, very synergistic with with, with our existing business. Um, you're not going to see us double the size of our fleet. You're not going to see us get into helicopters, go to Europe. Um, you know, n- none of those big pie in the sky. Yeah, you're going to um, keep doing what you know you're good at. Yeah, this this is the, the joy is in the journey. So th- this is a fun business. I, I like the people that I work with. Our whole organization has about a hundred full time employees, which really it, it grew a lot in the the very in that that first year or, or year and a quarter. But each each plane that we add will will create approximately ten jobs. In, in our in our organization between okay. dispatch yeah. maintenance sales and we carry four pilots per plane, so it's it's slow growth, but but that's frankly that's fine.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you actually mentioned in our pre call that that uh, you had an experience early in your entrepreneurial journey where you actually lost a business judgment and and it kind of resulted this whole process actually ended up resulting in you having a total mind shift. Around around the direction of your company,
1: you know. I'll just make myself a little vulnerable for a second. Yeah, I, I've got a very bad case of ADD, um, and wow. I don't do any. I don't take any medications or anything uh-huh. to manage. I, I, yeah. I, I've, I've worked into, to manage it. But one of the the things with when you, with ADD is that you get this. It's called a uh, shiny object syndrome, <laughs> where you're, you're certain sure. new shiny objects.
0: Yeah, and, most entrepreneurs have it, brother.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's well, my most entrepreneurs. That's why I, I relate so well to my clients. I, I can tell them, "Hey, I've got ED," and you yeah, know, you'd be surprised how many CEOs will oh. tell you in confidence. So many, so many. yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're wired. We're wired the same. Um, but for for me, it's anytime that I've, I've I've pursued those those shiny objects at the expense of taking care of my, my current customers, my charter mm. customers, our owners, mm. um, having, having programs that are, are perfectly aligned um, economically, philosophically um, logistically yeah. aligned.
0: Right. Right. Aligned with your long-term vision. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and there, there have, I've come up with some, some pretty sexy ideas and, and concepts that frankly have have taken my eye off of that ball, you know. Earlier in my aviation career, maybe not so 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 far back in my aviation career. I mean, I've I've made mistakes. I continue to make mistakes, but I I learn from them and and come out stronger. And, and I think for for me, what what's been very transformative in this go around and having this is a big company. It's a big by far the biggest thing I've ever been a part of yeah I don't don't know everything there is to know to this day about part 135 aircraft management or running mm-hmm. part 145 repair station right those are our two big employee centers yeah. and they're very complicated businesses Sure. so aviation with with the 135 air carrier you're required by the FAA to have three they're called 119 management positions Director of operations, who's the main man. He's the, the guy the FAA talks to. The FAA doesn't talk to me. Director of maintenance, who's gotta be an AMP mechanic, and a chief pilot.
0: Mm. Right.
1: These are people who really run their business. Run those guys run that business. Right, right. I'm the sales guy, I'm the promoter. I'm sure. They know manager. their craft
0: though. You know your thing. Right, yeah.
1: Right. So I trust them to run that business. I trust them implicitly to run that business and I've known yeah. them for years. Yeah. Same right. with the maintenance business. So I kind of handcuffed myself to, to doing now doing what I do best, talking to people like you building an mm-hmm. audience myself, mm-hmm. marketing, promoting the business and, and keeping things aligned. Um, and I've got people who are frankly a lot older and more experienced than me. I'm 45 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how old these guys are, but they're, they're a lot older than me. They got a lot more gray hair than I do. Um, <laughs> and you know that it's almost like they're my boss, they manage their manager. Right. And I respect them. I listen to them. And it's okay when they tell me that I'm full of shit and that I should reframe my perspective on things. And sometimes I, I come up with a lot of ideas and about mm-hmm. 60% of them maybe are good. Right. But the difference is, is that now I've got a quorum of a management team sure. who respect me and, and who I respect, but I, I probably respect them more than they respect me, right? Yeah. And I didn't have that earlier in my career. You know, I, I've been the main man in my organization for about 15 years. Right, so right. that first ten of those, and get my years mixed up, but first ten of those years, it's like being in that CEO echo chamber where wasn't really a CEO; it was a very small business, small brokerage business with a couple employees. Yeah. Right. Um. So there's nobody in the in that business to tell me that I that, that I I need to check myself. Right. But I've got that, now and I'm you blessed. got that.
0: Yeah. You kind of almost have like your built-in, uh, board of advisors almost in in. in Specifically, overall aircraft, but also in that specific area, and uh, yeah, what a fantastic thing to have. And and that is a, it is a mindset uh, shift because so so many of us, um, you know, there's a book out there. It's called Who Not How, and and it's all about getting those people surrounding yourself with the, with the right people versus you trying to figure it out yourself, right? And that's that is a that is a huge mindset shift and, and humility as well. So let me ask you, Justin. So if you were going to hire a CEO to take the reins for your company, what's the one book that you'd require he or she read before taking over for you?
1: Let me give you two books, Patrick. All right, cool. One is, it's a business book. It's called 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Marshall.
0: Yes, great book.
1: And yeah, it really, earlier in my career, um, it it was very, very transformative um, because there are, are, you know, the 80 20 principle is it's a, it's a law of the universe. It's a, it's a law of life. Absolutely. And it, it, it's a, in our business now, 80% of our revenue comes from 20% of our customers, 80% yeah. of our headaches come from 20%, from 20% of our of customers. customers. Right, right. And, and you know what you can do in this business. This business marketing is really it's micro segmenting. We micro segment our our marketing, so we're not we don't do big you know advertise in the Rob report. We market to people who we identify or who identify to us as being perfect fits into our. in whether we're trying to sell them a jet or whether we're trying to sell them you know a, a charter program. Right. Right. Um, so by by drilling into those twenty percent. We find, you know, there's there's a there's an eighty twenty inside of that eighty inside of that twenty. So really, like four percent of your business. And if you just keep you know, profiling those people, finding more people like those people, and and trying to build your market share inside of those people, you can you can do um, you can work a lot smarter and and not work quite as hard to acquire and 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 um, retain those those, those customers. And if yeah. you know who your 80-20 is, you know who that 20 is, mm. you know, in our business, you can, because the, the, the money is so big, you can do a lot of cool things with those 20%. Mm. You can show them a lot of love.
0: Absolutely. Can,
1: a, a half million dollar a year jet charter customer. Um, that's worth Justin Sullivan flying out to Aspen and pressing the flash. Right,
0: right, uh, right. Like, Giving them the extra for, treatment. For, Absolutely.
1: For 10 minutes of of, of time at the airport, um, it's totally worth it it yeah for, for for christmas we can invest in in really nice bottles of scotch to our best customers sure. uh, we we can do we did a, a a sunglass promotion where last quarter every every customer got a you know paris customer prescription sunglasses worth a thousand dollars or more right and you can just show them so much love because if, if you, you go to think if you, if you approach your business and your, your, your customer base on that 80 to 20 principle. Yeah. The next thing completely off topic in terms of books is yeah. um, it's called change your thoughts, change your life. It's Fantastic a book, by, uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer. Um, and he's a, uh, he's a, a philosopher. He passed away a couple of years ago, right. but change your thoughts, change your life is a, it's a book of translations of of the doubted chain, which is the, the book of doubt. Tao- um, otherwise known as as Taoist philosophy, Tao mm-hmm. um, spelled T-A-O, mm-hmm. and um, the the Tao is a book that was written by by Lao Tzu two thousand years before Christ, and it's a it's a book of philosophy and extremely actionable um, principles of life wow. that everybody should should go and practice. It, some people think of it as a religion. I myself, I'm myself am Christian, but I, I I've incorporated Taoist, Taoism into, um, into my life. So sure. if, if I have a minute, maybe I can just give your, your audience a quick example of, of what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So there's um, so this is 81 verses, and each one of these verses in Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life has been translated and interpreted by by Dr. Dyer. So one of them is the principle of flexibility um, and, and strength, and kind of the paradox between the two. So most people, you know, when you think about strength, you think about rigidity and mm. like the big, strong, tall oak tree that, that that can't be toppled. However, when when the winds come, when a storm comes, if that tree doesn't bend, it's going to get toppled. By, by you know the roots are gonna are gonna pull right out of the ground. However, if you have a palm tree, it's going to bend with the wind and it's going to survive the storm. Similarly, when you think about a newborn baby, how flexible it is—it's you know its feet can touch its its forehead. But when we die, what happens? Rigor mortis sets in. When a tree dies, what happens? It gets very brittle. Hmm. So you can think of rigidity as being akin to death, hmm. and flexibility being a, akin to youth and vitality and vibrant. Like, yeah. right? And it's it's not it's not just our bodies; it's our minds. It's how we how we approach new ideas and how flexible we are with with systems and challenge challenges and and um. And and the things that come out at us every every day. I mean, every day brings a new set of of challenges in my business. I, I'm sure some of your people can can relate. So it, there's there's you know the, the next paragraph is about being like water. You know, if you think about water, you know, this, you know sign right here in my office is be like water. Um, mm. Water. It. You know, there's a great Bruce Lee. Um, yeah. Oh, About yeah, yeah. it, like the water becomes the cup. If you put yeah, it into a teapot. Yeah. I forget the quote, the but yeah, cup. yeah, exactly. It always goes through the path of of least resistance. You can't you can't grab water. You can't attack water. Water is going to evaporate. It's going if if it gets too hot, it's just going to to to, to um, reformulate as 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 something else. Um, so, you know, there's I get a lot out of. Actually, I'm, sure, I'm just yeah glad on about it, but well, if no, I there's... were to hire uh-huh. in my companies, yeah, I would want them to have the same principles Some, because yeah. it's very unique. It's a unique way of looking at things, it's a unique way of 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 dealing with challenges, right? Yeah. And um, you know, naturally, we all want to be around people who were were aligned with spiritually and and otherwise.
0: Fantastic! Yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. Those are those are two fantastic books. Uh, Wayne Dwyer's uh, just just foundational concepts there in that book. So highly recommend it as well. Um, so Justin, it was great having you on the show. What, what's what's one takeaway that you'd really want the audience to absorb from our time together today?
1: Well, you know, Patrick, we really didn't discuss it, but it's it's a, a principle that I have. It's called um, people buy programs, not proposals. Mm. So by optimizing our aircraft management business. We have a program for our aircraft maintenance business whereby aircraft owners can outsource the maintenance of their of their their asset under a simple program. Um, you know that that's really been transformative for our excuse me, for our business. yeah and and, and, and people so many so many times people are um, when when you see a proposal, you think it's just done for you. And there's there's strength in in numbers, and there's strength in in um, in marketing collateral and um, boxes and, and graphics and other um, other easy to digest marketing messages mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. all fit into programmatic type products and services versus proposal uh, oriented products and services. And if I were to say, you know, my success in in marketing and building these these organizations up, it's been continually thinking about how to programize it, programize the access through programs like jet cards and fixed rate programs and memberships, or owning a plane or fractional ownership, and other things that um, allow my my. Customer base and and partners to feel like they're they're part of something and they're not just buying mm. into something that was written for them much more um, much more effective frankly
0: yeah so really kind of sitting almost like what you're saying is is if I'm a, somebody listening to this in any kind of a business model really trying to take the transactional transactional aspect of the relationship out and replace it with uh, a relationship, a transformational relationship, if you will, where you're sitting side by side with them and putting together a, a program that truly fits their needs, working with them instead of just coming at them with a proposal. Is that kind of...
1: Yeah, i can yeah? just give you an example of that. At private jet maintenance up in Buffalo, we maintain our own fleet of planes, excuse me, but... We maintain other people's planes, and oftentimes those jobs are one and done. Somebody has a do list item or a discrepancy on their plane; they call us, we 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 fix it. But and those those transactions are very transactional. Somebody comes in, we do a job, we give them an invoice, they play and and go away. But last year we we conceptualized an outsourced maintenance program whereby we become the outsourced director of maintenance for your aircraft so we'll do all of the maintenance tracking and when something comes to it's it's done it, the, the work is performed by us right. and you don't have to think about it you, you, these are very sophisticated assets there's a lot to unpack and a lot to know right right air- so for us we we charge $3500 a month for an airplane owner to outsource their maintenance to us. thirty five hundred dollars a month, not particularly a lot of money um, in the grand scheme of, of our business. But what we're doing is we're, we're, we're developing a very sticky relationship with that airplane owner. We're developing a more trusted relationship with that airplane owner. We're sitting on the same side of the table as our client and we're making sure that we're getting all of that airframe yeah. maintenance. Yeah, which absolutely. is you know, half a million dollars a year worth of business. So sure. just yeah. having a $3,500 program that's backed by a, a, a director of maintenance, team of AMP technicians. Um, it's a full service. It, it, yeah. 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 It, it, it just really changes the game and, cool. and awesome. awesome. Yeah.
0: Very good, man. So, so Justin, if any of our listeners wanted to reach out, and we're going to have your um, LinkedIn profile on the podcast page, so so that part's taken care of. But if any of our listeners want to reach out and perhaps get a hold of uh, your company for services or uh, they, they to to look into purchasing an aircraft or if they already have an aircraft that might fit your model, what would be the best way for them to get a hold of uh, you or your team?
1: So I have a YouTube channel. It's Your okay. Friend with Jets. Okay. Um, I have our, our website is Ajax, AJAXjets.com. And anybody can always reach me at Justin at AjaxJets.com. I'm very, very responsive. Yeah,
0: um, fantastic having you on the show. I mean, there's so many amazing things that we talked about from, from assembling a team to the, the vertical integration, the benefits of that around the control, the margin, and, and not allowing that potential disconnect between you know, your values and the amount of service that you require. So you kind of have that control. Um, Again, thanks for being on the show, Justin.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Patrick. It's been a blast.
0: You bet, man. So for the audience, please hit the like and subscribe and help us spread the word about the show and what we're doing here. We're helping the next generation of leaders and CEOs be that much more successful with that. This is Patrick Rogers, and we'll see you in the next show. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to another episode of the High Performance CEO Podcast with your host, Patrick Rogers. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out our main website at patrickvrogers.com for much
1: more valuable information and free resources.